It's time to tune up the band and hear them shouting, then hear them crying. Yes, it's another sweet chin wag, and I promise I'll never do that ever again. Um, <laughs> yes, it's another episode. I am Sam, and joined as ever by Reardon and Dan. I get top billing now, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> No. I'll be the main eventer soon. <laughs> it's not definitely not favoritism, I promise. <laughs> I'm too busy being a cruiserweight jobber. Sorry, Vince. You can't. You can't. You, you need to grab that brass ring. Somewhere in Orlando, <laughs> Buddy Murphy's just twitched. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, as ever, we are giving you this podcast free of charge, thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud. Hopefully soon, and I promise you, soon we will be oh, on other ending. platforms pending pending investigation no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> so before we get on to this week's episode which is kofi mania it is time to take it back to dan for this week's wrestling news dun, 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 dun. wrestling news <laughs> yeah, I got that shit lock. we're doing that very well now <laughs> yeah i know we got that thing going yeah. Uh, so I guess the big piece of news we have to cover at first is Backlash, um, most recent pay per view uh, to happen. Um, any overall thoughts on how the pay per view went? Um, the by your greatest, own thoughts, the greatest wrestling match in human history, you guys. <laughs> the greatest mediocre pay per view ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was an interesting mixture. Um, of how things went and That's how the matches really came across. <laughs> I'm gonna say mixed, <laughs> mixed back. Mm. Um, I, certainly I guess the first, yep, definitely. Um, I guess the first bit to cover would have been the uh women's tag team title match. Um, Sasha Banks and Bailey came up with the win. Um, firstly, I think the Iconics had the best showing. Yep. Uh, coming out of it, they looked fantastic, even in defeat. And I am hoping that very soon they will be given the titles because they most definitely deserve it. And as far as I know, they're like the only actual tag team in the division. Yeah. I, hmm, that's a good point, actually. As much as I love Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, I don't think Sasha Banks and Bailey deserve to be competing in the tag division. No disrespect to the tag division, but really they're two main eventers and they should be in the world title picture um, mm, pretty much consistently. Yeah, especially given that one of them has the SmackDown Women's Championship. So it seems weird that they're just kind of sticking them there and I feel bad for Sasha Banks because it constantly feels like she's being moved away from the position she so rightfully deserves. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I have no idea. But... Oh, I've got several. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there. Are. I'm sure you have met plenty, but I don't have them. Oh, I mean, I most of them had to do with Vince probably being very angry at her, asking for her release, and then leaving for several months. I mean, I mean, that's only speculation, ladies and gents. But you I could mean, put two and two together. Personally, yeah. personally, I blame Snoop Dogg. I think this is Snoop Dogg's fault. <laughs> I think he did something, and it's really hindered her career. How miss, dare you uh, say that to the D-O-double-G? Listen, I love the D-O-double-G just like everyone else, but he isn't a saint, he isn't perfect, and I think that he should apologise. 
for what he did. He just appeared at WrestleMania and then her career just declined. Uh, but I hate I hate to say it like this, but on the topic of disappointing wrestling matches in the women's division, Asuka versus Nia Jax, um, which was just... I mean, there's not a lot to say about it other than it just made Asuka look worse than creative have already made her look, which is incredibly disappointing. What not the... least forgetting the fact of she came into the company with a fucking unbeaten streak. <laughs> I think the worst thing about this is that the next Raw, they did the, basically the same match in the way it should have ended. So it's like, what was what was the hell point of this match anyway? And I'm saying, that match on Raw, when Nia Jax had the powerbomb to ask her on the outside, Ooh. I was like clenching my hands. <laughs> like, please don't mess this up. Oh, yeah. boy. It's another I week. I think that's the recurring thing. That a lot of the fan commentary I was seeing, where they were like, when I saw that spot, I was like prepared to hear like Oscar out for like four weeks. <laughs> Which, if that is the the worst indictment, I don't know what is really. But either way, it was an incredibly disappointing match. No one likes double count out finishes. <laughs> Uh, Even if they do come from Oscar just kind of going on a crazy one and deciding to just lock in an armbar and not let go, mm. it still does nothing to show her as any better. Um, the spot with Oscar trying to get Nia Jax over the ropes to then start the double count out looked hokey as hell. <laughs> um, and looked like something had gone wrong in it anyway. It's like, you know, in... Um, I believe it was, it was a Royal Rumble for WrestleMania 20 and our he who shall not be named redacted vacant stevie richards whatever you want to call him <laughs> um you know he's doing the thing where he's like trying to pull the big show over yeah and it takes what feels like nine years <laughs> yes oh my god and it's yeah. like the slowest elimination ever that's what it felt like <laughs> oh it, it, it really was something to to behold um but you know, it's just disappointing to see a person who's presented as being so dominant constantly get put down by creative. Um, and I feel like it really shows the women's division in a much worse light. Yeah, the worst part is, is that I know these two could have good matches together. They both did in NXT. Like, yeah. and it blows yeah. my mind, the booking decision yeah. and everything, like a few years removed from like their matches in NXT. It's just, what what happened? Creative you happened. Know, but you know, but you, but you know what, guys? At least we can take solace that it is that we've reached a point now in the year of our Lord 2020 that women's matches are now just as bad as the men matches for the same reason. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know what? That is fair. And actually, you mentioned creative. Uh, reminds me of a story that I should have mentioned, but I didn't write down on my uh, on my little cheat sheet. Um, <laughs> Paul Heyman now being moved to focus as an in as an in ring member, moved away from creative. So I believe it's Bruce Pritchard that's now in control of both Raw and SmackDown. And boy, did it show in Backlash. That's that's <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's been taken. It's been taken very controversially, and I think a lot of fans aren't quite uh, fully set on the changes yet. But um, it remains to be seen. But a lot of fans have been saying that. Um, you know, 
oh, it's the same story we've seen like four times before that they did in like the early 2000s and the 90s and the 80s and it's all yeah. like very, very kind of cookie cutter at this point. Yeah. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. And if there's only one thing I've taken from this match is that Drew McIntyre is the only man immune to the surprise roll-up <laughs> and only get out on a one count. <laughs> Which means he must be the most protected superstar on the roster if he's able to kick out of that on a one. I mean, my theory is is that he's British and that he's smart. Unlike most Americans, who would probably get the fr- who would probably get the win if they were rolled up like that. That's all I'm <laughs> they, saying. They merely yeah, adopted- I mean, to be fair, yeah. you'll be hearing me on the surprise roll up again when we get to the roar off the backlash. <laughs> but that's true. no, that's true. You know what? I think you know it's like British wrestlers. They they merely adopted the roll up. We've born in it, molded <laughs> by it. <laughs> but no, that was a good match. Um, yeah. And I kind—well, not kind of—I really want to see more of uh, of Drew and Bobby in this rivalry. And I think well, absolutely, I think this these two work incredibly well. They work incredibly well. Again, it is just that thing, isn't it? It's just such a bloody shame that Drew uh, he becomes WWE champion, and he's he's been put in the most unlucky position of not being able to be in front of fans and defending it oh absolutely also can may i just add as well with a drew thing is that i i'm i'm a little bit annoyed with this whole cleaner than cleaner baby face look uh oh baby face act to him and i said i i for me it'd be a case of just just let him be what he was like before you brought him back and how he was in nxt because that's how he truly got over and i feel like i'm i'm hoping to god <laughs> that 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 this run doesn't kill any momentum he had he has um i want that character to come back he can be yep. a good he can be a good brooding baby face for absolutely sure. He does not have to be the stupid suffering succotash promo guy. Because they yeah. tried that once and it didn't work. Yeah. Didn't and work. I will say one thing out of this. Um oh sorry, Rin, you want to speak? No, no, no. I I just say that it didn't work is putting it very, very low. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I will say one one thing that I have gone out this way is you know what? I would actually like to see Bobby Lashley get get the title. Mm. Really? I think it would actually be quite I think he would actually run it pretty well. I think he could definitely he could definitely do with some work. Um and definitely do with getting back to the kind of position and persona that he was in when he was with impact absolutely so back back i'm sorry back back up I'm, i i hate to do this aren't you on record as the hater of beefy mcbeef guys holding the title <laughs> okay <laughs> i am i am but i think i think in the context of this rivalry i think it would work and i think he could pull it off do i like big Mr. Big Large McBad McLarge Huge? Not really. <laughs> but I mean in the context of this rivalry, I think I think he could probably I think he could probably handle it. Although as I've said, I would love to see more talent and more varied talent and eventually get a hold on it. But for the continuation of this rivalry, I think it would be good. Also, I wanna hear more golden gems. If he is champion, I wanna hear more golden gems from Bobby Lashley, like the whole Do you remember the promo he did on Finley? That one time. 
Oh my god. My name is Fiddly. I heard your name is Fiddly and you love to fight. Well, I say your name is Fiddly and you're a bath turd. (laughs) (laughs) I have to bring it up because I love you, Bobby Lashley. (laughs) (laughs) How we love you. But now, I think it would be good as well because it gives a lot of legitimacy. It would give a lot of legitimacy to the WWE Championship considering Lashley's a better MMA fighter than Brock Lesnar ever was. Oh, I said it. I went there. (laughs) (laughs) The Brock stands are going to come for us. (laughs) If you look at record alone, Bobby was better. (laughs) But now now we have to broach the big point of backlash. Ah, yes. This the greatest the... wrestling match of all time. This is I'm going to put a bracket here. <laughs> oh. The tribute to the greatest wrestling matches <laughs> of all time. Why did they bill it like this? I, I mean, I'm sure it was just a hype thing. Oh, absolutely. No, but, but, like, but why, though? <laughs> no, but that, I, that's I knew I... the answer to that, Reardon. I would tell you, but I, I don't. I, All I'm saying, right, is I said this to these two kind of on the Monday afterwards. It was not actually that bad a match. It's just a shame that it was probably, it was hindered a lot by a lot of hokey decisions and billing it as the greatest wrestling match ever. I, I've, I've said in talking to my friends, this is like this was like a four-star match minimum. Yes, without like, question. Like easily. I um, mean, there were a... the only. Oh god, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just that there there are those little bits, and I just keep saying, I feel like if they hadn't tried to sell it as the greatest wrestling match of all time, and they didn't have the commentators saying it every twenty seconds, oh. and every single time it gets mentioned. I believe in the last podcast, I remember I was watching an episode of Raw and they mentioned it about 20, 25 times <laughs> over the whole broadcast. And then obviously all the interjecting adverts that show it, you just see the greatest wrestling match of all time. And it's kind of one of those things of when you constantly see something, it loses its impact. Yes. And also, if you're, if you're going to say that, then you best deliver. Yeah, and then you've got an expectation to live up to. And the thing is, is that it was a very good match. There were a few odd moments that were mostly creative decisions, um, and a few moments which I personally am not a big fan of, which we will mention in a moment. Um, But because of the super big build and this massive hype, it just kind of killed the feeling because you kind of felt like it has to be perfect. Otherwise, it cannot live up to that title. Yeah. Um, and, like, mm. I feel like we've spoke, we've mentioned enough times how we love um, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like even if they had that level of hype build up, it would be hard for them. Yes, and I was... you still judge it by the same parameter of, well, it's been told to us nineteen thousand times. Can they actually do it? And they could put on the greatest match of all time, and we'd probably still be there and be like, eh, was it though? Yeah, 
I was sitting there fully aware, like, all right, is this match really going to be as good as Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson? And guess what? Never was. No, I, I knew I was going in. It's like, is this going to be as good as that match? It probably isn't. I'm hoping. Maybe. Maybe it'll surprise me. Maybe Edge will do the exact same spot as, as Danielson did to Nigel, where he rams his head into the guard post at least five times and busts him open. No, no. What we got instead was, was, was something really interesting and unique i think one of the things i find uh that just really kind of was really hokey and was so unnecessary and really brought it down was adding fake crowd noise to the match yeah it just it was so when i started hearing like when they were doing certain spots and then suddenly this the performance center was suddenly turning into a twenty thousand seater arena that disconnected me so much. That was just like, oh my... I was like, look, we've been here for the past two months now. We know how big this place is. Yeah. You don't need... To, Kevin, you don't need to pipe in fake crowd noise. Yeah, because the one that I said when we were discussing this beforehand and uh, talking anyway about it was... Uh, they sold it as having like new and unique camera angles, <laughs> um, but it basically just—I mean, I'm fair sure both of you guys have done worked in camera work and stuff like that. I know you do, Ridden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like—I guess yeah—they were new and unique camera angles, but I don't think I've ever needed to see a lockup from either a top-down or a underneath-the-lock-up perspective. I'm just saying, it wasn't any... It wasn't no Brian De Palma movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was I more... didn't really need that. I didn't really need, like, panning shots of them doing moves. I didn't feel like I needed, like, specific close-ups after you doing You know, actually, that's a, that's a thought. Here's the thought here. If you're going to do that, you're billing it as the greatest match of all time and you're good like oh and hi brilliant new camera angles you know what i would have done i would have straight up like like hired some hired some american stunt people guys and some, <laughs> and some cinematography no seriously because if you're gonna yeah. do that and it's like that's if it, if if you shoot like a wrestling match like the raid that's definitely new and exciting camera angles in, in that aspect i would have been like all right get the people uh, get the bt sport people that did the drew mcintyre wrestlemania advert and get them to film it yeah seriously i was like like yeah just like if you're gonna do it this way film it like um like do it in the same principles of the boneyard match of we know that this is this is clearly scripted this is clearly recorded beforehand so we're gonna lean into it and basically give you like a Hollywood fight scene, <laughs> you know. But they they decided to go down the path that yet. I will say there's the one there's the one spot that I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it's brought up a lot of the debate. Um, not even in like a oh this is awful or this is a great way, but more just a kind of weird middle ground. Um, the spot where they traded iconic finishers. Yeah, um, and I wanted to get your guys' perspective on it because I know for myself, I kind of appreciate it. Like, yeah. uh, callback 
the kind of callback and like i said i called it the tribute to the greatest wrestling matches of all time because it had lots <laughs> of moves from well-known people did i think i'd see edge doing a rock bottom not really was it necessary eh. you know um it's I a little it randy weird. orton that did the the angle slam and the pedigree and a pedigree and like there was a point where I believe some one of them like copied Ricky Steamboat's specific style of drop kick and Yeah. A Macho Man style flying elbow and <laughs> and it was like I I kinda get it. You wanna like throw in those callbacks and things like that. Yeah. But just to me kind of felt like i said kind of felt a bit hokey and a lot of these moves were very heavily protected at their time and now they're just being like oh two count yeah, yeah. And, they're, and, and they're being thrown in and it's not even and it's just things like they're kind of just being thrown in there for the sake of being there mm. yeah if it were me i honestly like yeah that's it's all weird um question because it's such a rare occasion like you yeah. see like you see like uh, when you, you see other people using their opponent's move which is always which is always pretty yeah. nice i like that i've always enjoyed that little spot <laughs> but literally going other people's moves a bit odd i can understand like the reasoning of like wow they're really like literally trying to throw everything but the kitchen sink to do it <laughs> but uh, yeah. as a guy who's as a guy who's on the line of no, this is the this guy's move set. I have to deal with this guy using this move set. I uh, I prefer not. Yeah, yeah. But um, like I said it. Uh, I, when it kind of got to that point, it felt less like they were trying to put on the greatest match of all time, and more being like, here's some throwbacks to what we think are the greatest matches of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I can. Well, I mean, with. it you know it it worked. It it had its merits. It was a very good match overall. Um, I think there were just one or two sticking moments. I think that maybe WWE thought that they had a grand idea, but it never quite landed. Yeah, but I hope that Edge. I hope that Edge isn't as injured as I've heard. Mm. That be that would really suck. Yeah, yeah. I really hope he makes it. He makes at least a very speedy recovery. If it is as bad as people have been saying it is, the best way I can describe this greatest match ever is if you really to a lot of people and to a casual fan, if you hear a certain wrestling style in Japan known as the King's Road wrestling style, which was made famous in all Japan, my recommendation, if you really want to get into King's Road wrestling is watch this match because it is basically king's road light um <laughs> and if you want to see the greatest wrestling match ever go watch kawada versus masara from 1994 that is considered by a lot of people as the greatest wrestling match ever although i doubt whether edge or well actually i can imagine edge has watched that match but i could doubt whether randy orton has ever watched that match i reckon he probably thinks masara is a type of ramen dish if i'm honest <laughs> <laughs> but no it was it was all in all it was not a bad match it just the sum of its parts just made it so weird. 
Mm. Yeah. Still though, after that <laughs> comes the raw after backlash. Oh, that was something. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, we're just going to cut a brief aside to uh, mention Asuka again. Uh, reports that her push may be being killed by uh, one of either Vince or Creative. Never specified. Why? Um, He's fickle. But He's genuinely for fickle. Some, just, for some oh. reason, um, either I assume that they don't see things going where they want to, but I assume the place they want things to go to is back to the Omni Flare. <laughs> well, that's um, a wrestle sort reference there, ladies and gentlemen. It, it is. But what I just like you um in during the Discord of where this this news was I, I almost said brought to me. I'd probably more like just fl- dumped on my lap, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. You saw my reaction of just why? Well, because the thing was is I saw the vid I saw the video. And I just saw it, it was like, Oscar's push killed by WWE, and I clicked on it, and I was like, what the fuck would they do that for? <laughs> of all people to get rid of the push for? It's, be like, it's been, like, a, it, it's been it's, how many months? The only thing you need to think about is that most of the talent in WWE were like, oh, who would you say is the best wrestler in the roster? And even some of the men's wrestlers are like, Oscar. Without question. Like, see, and it's, it's yeah. just so boggling to me because, like, I don't know what it is that they don't see. I mean, to be fair, Vince saw the broken Matt Hardy gimmick, The Fiend, and a whole bunch of others and thought, I don't get it, this won't work, and then got over as hell. Yeah, so I don't know what it is about her. It's weird um, considering... I'm not going to say the line I put in the Discord, because yeah. that definitely won't help us on getting onto any other platforms. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um... I mean... It's just incredibly surprising, and I don't know I have never why... seen her. I've never seen her. I'm sorry, I have to cut you. I have never seen her wrestle a bad match. Yeah. I've seen her. I've seen her in middling to poor matches, but I've never seen her be bad in it. Even in matches, I like remember um, during the lead up to to um, the Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch triple threat. Yeah. Yep. They had Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair had that match with Oscar. Now the result of that match is annoying and. Hashtag OmniFlare. But I love that goddamn match. That match is great. Yeah. Like, that's why I remember, like, I remember having the look of, um, the look look of, um, you know, in, um, that Simpsons episode, um, Lemon of Troy, when yes. that Shelby yes. Mill guy eats yes. the lemon <laughs> and smiling while, like, I had that face with the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What blows my mind about all of this is if the reports are to be true, Vince was very high on Asuka a couple of months ago because she single-handedly was keeping the women's division up during this time. So again, it's that thing of this man is so gosh diddly darn fickle. It's just another proof of him being so goddamn fickle. And like I said, like we just, I have no idea 
where this is meant to go. I'm so so it is worth referencing the Oscar match on the Raw after Backlash, where a Oscar run won with a surprise roll up, the most devastating move in sports entertainment. <laughs> unless your name's Drew. Um, <laughs> yeah, unless your name's Drew McIntyre. Um, and the fact that the ref I mean, to be fair, the referee's fast count was hilarious. It was in- it was amazing. It yes. was a sight to see. He looked so done <laughs> with everything that had happened. <laughs> but um I'm A worried because Nia Jax is probably just gonna be like, Oh, the ref did a fast count, I want my rematch. And then I assume they're gonna find another way to bring in the Omni Flare again. Um which will then again just feel like I'll just be devaluing it because like people have been saying how does Charlotte Flair elevate anyone when all she does is really stop them um and so we have no idea where this is going to go I have no idea where this stands for things going forward I want Asuka to keep holding the title and hopefully someone else in creative will eventually be like do you not realize what a gem of talent you have here yeah (laughs) one day we can have you realized it by now you never will. <laughs> Very true. Um, but then, other matches on the Raw after. Uh, Drew McIntyre and R-Truth teaming up, <laughs> I believe, against Bobby Lashley. And I believe MVP was there, but I can't remember who Bobby Lashley's partner was. Um, um, I'm really worried. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll look it up for you. It is... Who was it? Who was it? <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm just gonna say Bo Dallas until proven otherwise. Bo Dallas. You have to believe. Oh no, it was actually MVP in the match. Yeah. I thought you were about I to thought. say, oh it actually was Bo Dallas. I was about to go, what? <laughs> no. We are not believing on this podcast. Fine. But um yeah. Uh very interesting match to say the least. Um, not least because I believe it was the the title being defended in a tag match. Um, but uh, Drew McIntyre cleans house, lets R-Truth get the pin. I mean, it is what it is. It was certainly interesting to see. The build-up um, to this match was amazing. Cause, uh, cause, yeah, cause, Lana cause... being shifted out. Uh, for MVP. MVP calling Lana, in my, in, and, and I quote this, a fot. And it's the way MVP said the word fot. That was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. MVP's a man of the people. <laughs> <laughs> he um, is our but, most valuable person. Yeah. Oh, he most um, certainly is. But there was, the, there was the weird bit as well where, like, uh, <laughs> um, was it Lana and Natalia? were like talking to each other backstage oh crumbs yes <laughs> um and like talking about how they don't feel valued so i have no idea where that's going i mean i will say natalia has been heavily undervalued by wwe uh, in uh, recent times it just it but <laughs> you know i don't know where this is going but with one way that we do know it's going is that supposedly mvp is in line to create a new faction or stable uh consisting of majority black wrestlers with apollo Crews tipped to turn heel um and join up with him um i don't know again i don't know where that's going to go in the context of how the u.s title picture is moving mm-hmm. uh, you don't uh, a point of order actually um i don't know how that's going to look with 
the US as it is that you're going to turn the majority of your black wrestlers heel. Mm. That's um a choice. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> hey, look, it was a choice of Vince and Bruce's at this time in at this time in the world to turn Akira Tozawa into a cliche ninja with free ninja, free all black ninja clad <laughs> people as goons you know, it's, behind it's, it's him. We're not, you, know, you know what? I haven't even written that match down because there's only <laughs> one, there's only one point of that match, right? There's only one point to that match because all it does is it set the stage for the big show to appear and he's probably gonna turn heel to face to heel for like the nineteen billionth time. What against the super big ninja? Probably. <laughs> yeah. You know what? All right. Before before I let you continue and carry on with the news, like, can I just say, right? I just want to big up Akira Tozawa because he is a phenomenal wrestler. And like Drew Gulak, he is able to turn anything stupid and make it great. So my hope to God is that he shows up creative by making this super popular. But at the same time, I'm like, dear God, what have you done to Akira Tozawa? Yeah, but you know what happens in WWE, though. Exactly! If someone gets something over without them wanting to, then they get put in the mud. Yes. <laughs> and that's what worries me. <laughs> anyway, big ninja guy who is apparently someone that's been signed to NXT for like the last year now, but has been like developmental. Mm. I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but I can't. And it's so bad of me that I don't remember it. <clears throat> and I don't want to. I also don't want to butcher his name either. Uh, <laughs> but still, the big show appeared. He's probably gonna be there. He's gonna be like face. I assume the ninjas are going to be heel. I from the way that they were presented in the match because I guess they're pushing the. Also, yeah, are they calling them the Viking prophets? Yes. Surely Street Raiders is better by getting the context oh of everything that's happening. No, in the context of everything that's happening now, I know why they haven't gone for it. But you have to tell me Viking Prophet sounds a bit weird. <laughs> no, no, no. Street Raiders is the way Getting that, that sweet fire. Norse money. Anyway, <laughs> like, the big show's there. I assume they're selling him as face. He's probably going to go there, turn heel, and then turn face again, again, for like the 19 billionth time. I'm not even going to talk about that match, because MVP supposedly is starting a new faction with majority black wrestlers with... Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley. How that's going to work, I have no idea. But I'm kind of excited to see it because I know that for them and those two, I mean, to be fair, Apollo Crews is a pretty well-rounded wrestler all round with in-ring mm. performance and doing promos. But mm. having MVP as an additional mouthpiece can't do him any harm. True. Very. A true. man who's well-versed in the United States title picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very true. <laughs> um... The next one, Dominic Mysterio appearing and beating the crap out of Seth Rollins before running away from Austin Fury and Buddy Murphy. Um, very interested to see how this develops. I assume it's building to a match, some kind of match at Extreme Rules. Yeah. Um, we don't know how it's going to work. The only two other people who have been really involved in this storyline have been Umberto Carrillo and Alistair Black. Um, and so how they fit into this picture, no idea. Doom, hmm. it's probably going to be some kind of free-on-free tag match. And, like, one of them's going to get involved. Now, actually thinking over my notes, it would be really interesting if they were going to make this Dominic's full wrestling debut, or yeah. if they're going to have him as an interference person. Mm. It'll be interesting. Either way, see. it'll be very interesting to see how it works out. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see how things go. 
Um, I mean, I have to say, Dominic looked very confident in the ring. Yeah, I mean, when you are the child of Rey Mysterio, that's probably a given. That man Um, has been literally training for, I think, almost as long as I have been watching wrestling. (laughs) So, he better be good. To be fair, it's never a given. I'm looking at you, Curtis Axel. No, that's true. That's true. (laughs) But he looked competent. He looked good. And to be fair, in the context of this angle, anything that gets more Alistair Black onto my screens, I'm all for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love the man. Um, and so if it Get rid like of the freebie... damn creek! Get rid of the creek! <laughs> what is wrong with you? And replace it with a blur. Uh, <laughs> um, oh. But still, incredibly <laughs> impressive. If anything, this is probably the best angle on Raw right now. Yeah. <laughs> which says, which I think says a lot. Um, but going to another angle in the US title picture, and I don't know if we're going to call this Vince's curse. Um, it's definitely interesting to see that Vince believes Angel Gaza, Angel Gaza, I don't know how to say it. I'm getting probably getting my pronunciations wrong. Uh, according to Alec uh, Alex McCarthy from TalkSport, Vince has tipped him to possibly be the next Eddie Guerrero, to which I would say, let him be the first Angel Gaza. Yes. Um, and please do anything to hopefully shield him away from his family relations and not let that impact on his performances. Um, but just, I think, let him grow into his own thing. He's definitely incredibly talented. Absolutely. Um great worker, great performer, and he's doing fantastic stuff with Andrade and Zelina Vega, but assuming he gets his own kind of singles push and goes on his own path, mm. I'm excited to see it, but I, you know, we hate it when people get called the next someone. Yeah. yeah. For, for context, I'm myself, I'm a football slash soccer if you're an American fan. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hate saying that word, but if people don't understand it, there's no point saying it. Um, But there's like a habit of people being like, oh, he's like, they find like a person who's like 16 years old and they're like, oh, he's the next Lionel Messi. And I'm like, no, you've killed him now. He's never going to be anywhere good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just a curse. Um, And obviously, you know, I think most of us who are true wrestling i say true wrestling fan anyone who's been like a solid wrestling fan for the last decade or so will remember what drew mcintyre was like before he left yeah yeah and uh it wasn't great (laughs) it was it's definitely interesting to see how uh he's come from then to now absolutely he's a much more well-rounded character and he's a much more well-rounded performer um and, you know, I enjoy watching him now. Before, I almost definitely didn't. But as much as I hate to see Angel Garza can kind of cursed with this, I'm hoping it leads to bigger things. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can only hope. You can only hope. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. But now, just switching back uh, ever so slightly further to SmackDown, Daniel Bryan and the fenomenal AJ Styles <laughs> dropping their classic, supposed classic anyway for the IC title was a fantastic match. I mean, they're Oof. two great performers. 
<laughs> what can you, you say? give them? Do you it. give them the free reign to do what they want in a match that's they that gets sold as being important because it is, and we all respect we will respect the IC title in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, Two of the absolute best of the past twenty years, and <laughs> they put on an absolute clinic for the Intercontinental Championship. It was, if I may so, so say myself, in the words of the new Legacy Boys, it was phenomenal, phenomenal edgy stats. <laughs> phenomenal. But, Fenomenal. <laughs> um, now you're done. Fenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the other big news, as reported in an interview with Randy Orton, oh. and supposedly the reason why AJ Styles left to go to SmackDown was that Randy Orton apparently used to take the piss out of him for AJ Styles being a flat earther. <laughs> And believing in conspiracy theories, and that there's a reported story that they were backstage watching a documentary about people that believe in conspiracies, and apparently AJ's eyes were glued to the screen. Okay. Uh, um, right. Oh, I, my I, sweet Georgia boy. How do I put this? How do I put this? Okay. We here at the Sweet Chin Rag Podcast. Do not condone the act of bullying, and certainly don't condone the act of workplace bullying. We've all—I imagine—we all three of us have our stories. Yes. Having that been said, if one was to take the piss out of someone, I would be the one of flat earthing. Because come on, <laughs> come on, man. My dear sweet Georgia boy. There must not be a lot of things going on in Gainesville. That's all I can say. That's all I can say is that, my sweet, sweet Georgia boy. Oh my god. I mean that that I just don't know what there is much to say about other than the fact that of like Randy Orton was the one taking the piss out of him. Typical Randy though. Also, it does raise a question though of why were they watching a conspiracy documentary backstage before a show? be fair actually when they should I mean, be I testing mean, i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> like by all means i'm fully invested in any conspiracy documentary i will say yeah. i watched one on netflix the other day behind the curve fucking fantastic oh, God. <laughs> no it's 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 incredible it's incredible no i've um, heard of it I, it's on the list on the list but um like I, that is a question raised for me, but I just love the fact of like the rest of the talent were like, wait, you can't be serious that you're actually interested in this and not laughing at it. <laughs> <sighs> it's it's but... just one of those days. <laughs> God damn it, AJ. <laughs> damn. Still a phenomenal you're still a great wrestler, AJ. Keep doing you keep doing Still fundamental. Yeah, still fundamental. I done that note. <laughs> But staying on conspiracy theories, because unfortunately we just got two quick brief bits to mention before we move on. Ah, Sorry, we've been taking up so much time. No problem. Um, The WWE conspiracy theory of the Drake Maverick storyline. Was it actually a work the whole time? And I sincerely hope it wasn't. I really hope it wasn't. (laughs) Um, But people have been wondering, was the storyline with him losing his job and then getting it back and competing in the tournament and then having Triple H come out with the contract actually be a, a worked thing that he knew about. Um, obviously, he's denied it the entire time through. Um, but, you know, I, I really hope this isn't the case. Yeah, 
That'd be um, all hell if it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I don't know Drake Maverick myself, but I want to believe it wouldn't be the kind of thing he does in the context of the current situation. Mm. But yeah. you know, people are people are starting to wonder in line with the whole very public. Triple H bringing out the contract and being like, here, sign here. He just signs it without reading it. But, mm. you know, I'm sure that was probably more just a dramatic thing. Yeah. And that probably before it, they were like, hey, look, you're going to get your contract. Here's the details. Um, but speaking of contracts and speaking of returns, they can hear the excitement in my voice already. And when I mentioned it before, EC3 is going back to Impact, baby. Hey. Top 1%. Oh, let's go. I'm oh. so happy. EC3. Oh, as I, as I so said happy. to you guys, as I said to you guys beforehand, I'm going to, I, I did not see him at his, at his best. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, you I'm saw him lie. when he was jobbing for the 24-7 title. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just but I am, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just so happy. I yeah. want to see him being used. He deserves to be in the Impact title picture, wherever status that sits in now, where it's being held by Moose and in the interim because Tessa Blanchard isn't there. I'm with its own things, <clears throat> but like, I mean, I'm just so happy to see him coming back and being used. And apparently, he's just touted to go straight back into the main event. And I feel think he'll fit in perfectly. Supposedly, he's built up a whole new character around it, but kept the EC3 moniker Ooh. and the whole top one percent thing. Nice. But apparently, he has like refined this character and created a new aura and a new kind of specific gimmick around it. So I am so invested i'll probably just start going back and watching impact just for him so absolutely Damn. absolutely uh twitch you better be watching out because dad's <laughs> gonna be there watching impact all the time now but like i mean i'm i'm just so happy to see him back in in the fold yeah yeah um just i think if there's one thing that is probably the most disappointing thing in the past few years in wwe Besides Ricochet, as we like to keep to get bringing it up all the time, it was yeah. definitely you. Stab my heart right there, didn't you? It's had to stab my heart, not even a bit of a warning, just bang. <clears throat> and uh, well, yeah, it'll be great to see him back. So, is that everything on the news, Dan? This concludes our wrestling news broadcast. And to date. The longest segment of news we've had this yeah. week, which there was is a awesome. lot, There was a lot to bring in. <laughs> there I was. even took shit out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? That's absolutely fine, because there was a hell of a lot to unpack this week, and I'm glad we got it done in this time, because I was worried that this was just going to be its own episode. <laughs> yeah, I was sick. Look at that. God damn, we, this is gonna, we're going to split this up. <laughs> so, on to the main portion of our podcast Kofi yeah. Mania <sighs> this one is sinking already yeah this one's going to be up and then down 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 so let us start in the year of our lord 2019 a very, very long time ago now, considering what's happened in the year, in the year, <laughs> in this year. Mate, so. the SmackDown on Friday felt like a year ago. <laughs> yes. Literally, you, you literally said 
the term 2019 and I felt so old. <laughs> Just, God. Oh, so we begin at the 2019 Royal Rumble. A very unassuming Royal Rumble, but it did have the New Day all coming uh, going in and uh, trying to stake their claim to the uh, number one contendership for WrestleMania. Uh, this also, this, rest, oh, this Royal Rumble, I should say, also included uh, the last appearance of Dean Ambrose. We also saw Johnny Gargano and uh, Pete Dunne make their main roster debuts. We also saw Nia Jax make her entry into this Royal Rumble. Oh, was this oh, the yeah. one? Was this the one with the Rey Mysterio Randy Orton spot? Yes, yes, I it love was. That spot. It was an amazing. Can spot. I just can I just say quickly on that spot? I don't think I've ever heard a, a crowd pop so much for seeing a woman wrestler get RKO'd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually so... it's actually kind of ridiculous how invested everyone was in that was in on that spot. Mm. You you have never seen a crowd be so happy to see a woman get murdered in a ring. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh Yeah, that was an interesting reception. Mm. Really absolutely sure. <laughs> but no, Kofi was quickly eliminated from that one by uh, by Drew McIntyre, believe it or not. Oh. Interesting how uh, how a year changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but if you remember, um, after, shortly after this, uh, a rivalry started between Daniel Bryan and Mustafa Ali. Uh, or built on respect and a little bit of history between those two, uh, going back as far as 2010, I believe, when they both had a couple of matches within the Chicago area. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chicago indie uh, fans of wrestling. Oh, um, they will. <laughs> they, they most certainly will. Um, but I remember that that was kind of slowly building and gathering steam leading up to Elimination Chamber, uh, the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship, <clears throat> which was originally supposed to be uh, Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and Mustafa Ali. Um, but... Mustafa Ali was unfortunately injured. I think it was an eye socket injury that he actually uh, sustained. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. uh, I, think, I don't know what it was. I think it could have been um, kind of an errant kick or punch that got him, that he got clocked with. Um, yeah. But it was in February 12th, SmackDown, we saw one member of the New Day scheduled to replace Ali in that match. And Kingston was selected. Um, now we le that leads us into uh, the Elimination Chamber match. And but but before that match, I want to get your two's opinions on. I mean, we've already talked about New Day in our previous episode and how much we bloody loved yep. them. But <clears throat> I guess the question I want to ask first before we get into the the Elimination Chamber match was what was your kind of reaction when you started to see and realize that Kofi may just be getting a push. Do you want me to go first and I'll give Rian this platform? Yeah, that's fine. Yes, that's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this is for me to say that um, this was around the time I was getting back into wrestling. Mm. Um, and a lot, and uh, so for, for context, a lot of my friends that do watch wrestling and that I talk about wrestling with are actually black as well. Um, 
but I was slowly getting back into wrestling and slowly being reintroduced to the world. Um, and I kind of saw that after I come back that Kofi Kingston had kind of been put into this picture. And for me, I was like, oh my God, is it happening? You know, is this his time? Can this be the moment? And I was really, really hopeful. I was got so excited because I was like, oh my God, this could be it. Mm. Like this was the time for it to happen and i felt like it was a, i mean everyone would be there and say it was a thing that was so long overdue <laughs> you know it was a thing that should have happened light years ago yes yes <laughs> but you know i kind of come back into it and i was just saw myself kind of get instantly pulled in and get invested in the storyline mm. like i was just kind of taken in and i was like I mean, there were people in that elimination chamber that you could have mentioned, like, I mean, you know what? I mean, as unfortunate as it, as it was for Mustafa Ali and it led to Kofi taking this place, you know, I would have loved it if Kofi was in the picture anyway, but I still don't necessarily think I would have been too against it with Mustafa Ali because signing up for my Cruiserweight brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing him in that picture with the talent that was in that Elimination Chamber match, I was like, no, they're taking him seriously now. And I love the New Day. (laughs) That much has been ascertained. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the singles push was what Kofi needed to take him to that next level. Mm. There's only so much you can do in a tag division like WWE has. Yeah. The tag division is not like it was in the 90s. If the New Day existed in like the late 90s, early 2000s, and they were around the same time as Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys, then I would be happy with Kofi sitting there and competing in tag division his entire career. Mm-hmm. But there isn't that platform anymore. And everyone in the... I think most people in the universe know Kofi is capable. Yes. More than capable. Um, That's like I said, it was just kind of that moment of I was thinking like this is it. And it kind of brought back some of that quite childlike feeling of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much like, oh my God, the thing that I always used to, the thing I used to like simulate on WWE universe mode on like SmackDown versus (laughs) Raw 08 was finally coming true. Yeah. That, that was how it felt for me. But I want to know how you feel about it. How you felt about it, Ridden. Okay. So, you know me. Everyone knows me. Mm. I've always loved Kofi Kingston. Always. He is a black, flippy shit wrestler. He <laughs> was built for me. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forgive him for pretending to be Jamaican because I am. I've got the, my fam. Part of my family is Jamaican, so I'll. I will always look at him slightly side-eyed. But you know, you know. Don't blame him. Blame creative. Yeah, I know, but I'm always kind of like, mm, but whatever. <laughs> so I always love, I've always loved them. And when I heard about it, because it was actually, this is actually kind of like I saw it through the grapevine. And when I heard about it, I was entirely skeptical. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was skeptical as hell. I was like, mm. okay, okay, 
how how how's it what's gonna stop this something's gonna happen is edge Something... gonna interfere again like yeah. kofi did his yeah. first yeah. elimination chamber match yeah. yeah i thought like that's legitimately what i thought i thought someone's going they're going to do it and then someone's he's a placeholder for something someone's gonna hit him and then it's gonna be back to normal <laughs> but what changed was two things one was the was actually seeing the his performance in the elimination chamber because you'd like again thanks to um the new day again uh, we we love we all love the new day we all <laughs> love the new day but just thanks to him being a part of the new day we it was a rare occasion where we really got to see him on his own in a single <clears throat> competition and for quite a bit mm. i'd say Thinking, at least in, in my recollection. And my God, he was a man on fire. He was just unbelievably good. And the second thing was seeing the crowd a hundred percent in, like in for him doing it. And I think that was when I was kind of going, but maybe. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. And as time went on, I wanted it more and more and more. And Dan, your point about feeling like a kid again, we'll get to it. We'll <laughs> yep. definitely get to it. But yeah, at this point though, I will say that I was I was very skeptical, and I and I think history was on my side there, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry, the precedent is there. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, yeah. So, am I allowed? Am I allowed to bring that? Up? Am I allowed to bring it up again, or will you just like collapse into pain if I mention if no, I mention go WrestleMania? Ahead. You just do it. Just do oh, it. I just, do I just have to? I mean, I just have to say WrestleMania nineteen. Mm. Uh, I'd seen. Uh... I'd seen it happen before. That's all I the precedent. Know... That's all the precedent we need. Disregarding yeah. all the other previous moments, just WrestleMania yeah. and nineteen. Even, and even, yeah, and even disregarding WrestleMania nineteen. We've seen it with other wrestlers, oh, countless wrestlers, of this thing happening and it being squashed. Yep. Like an ant squashed. So I was like, okay, maybe he's just, maybe he's like, but to be honest, I thought if this is the only moment he's getting, that's fair enough because damn, what a moment. Yes. Indeed. So. Yeah. 2019 Elimination Chamber, the main event. Daniel Bryan, of course, defending the WWE Championship inside the Elimination Chamber against Kingston, Styles, Hardy, Orton, and Joe. Bryan and Joe begin the match. Kingston enters uh, third. Styles enters fourth, who eliminates Joe with the, the phenomenal uh, forearm. Phenomenal. Phenomenal for Hey, 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 hey. You get one each podcast. Okay. All right, but what if we continually repeat the same running joke throughout? <laughs> look, look, we're only trying to please Johnny. We're only trying to make him follow yeah. us on Twitter. Johnny, follow us at Sweet Chinwag. Um, Jeff enters fifth, was eliminated by Brian with a running knee. And last, of course, we were to enter was Orton who uh, earned that right by winning that gauntlet match on the previous, on the go-home SmackDown. Yep. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, again, as you said, Reardon, like, Kofi was just on incredible form this match. And I think the thing that really was, I think, 
surprising to a lot of people, myself included, was that the crowd, like me, were actually getting behind Kofi, and they were vocal as absolute heck with everything he was doing. Yeah. Um, especially when he um, caught Orton with the Trouble in Paradise and eliminated him. And the final two being him and Brian. Um, oh, that was... I mean, the audience was at fever pitch at that point and everyone was like, oh, they go, they, they're going to they're gonna go for... Are they seriously I mean, going to go for it? It is important to say that for myself and anyone that's been following Kofi for a while, uh, Kofi eliminating Orton was a very cathartic moment. Absolutely. <laughs> there is a lot yeah, of history exactly. there. there. Because uh, we'd be talking about the 2009... Kofi mania if it weren't for that certain man in particular yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, which uh, to his which to Randy Orton's credit he did use so I'm like yeah you know what fair enough <laughs> like like here I would say here on the Sweet Jim Wag podcast we've kind of we've had a, a a slight water under the bridge thing with Randy Orton in terms of he's changed he's actually changed yeah yeah, we're we're now we're now in like we're now in what we're now in like the woke Orton era. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> woke <yeah>. Orton. <laughs> what a concept, but it's true. Dear Lord, <laughs> Randy Orton before like this year was like there were some incidents that we're gonna move past and not mention because we want to get the we want to get those fucking memberships. <laughs> <laughs> but like his 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 relations and perceptions were not necessarily the most conducive to what we at the podcast believe yes True but that. since then he has learned and changed his ways mm-hmm. and uh they align much better not to say that our beliefs are in any way the best way to do it, but I mean, there's some pretty no, universal. No, no, but, there, but there's but there's some pretty universal things we can agree on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, uh, thankfully, Orton has figured that out. <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah. But uh, to wrap up the elimination chamber, after several near falls from Brian and Kingston, Brian finally manages to catch him with the running knee and retains. The championship. What follows after this match, though, uh, the, r- immediately at the end of this match, is uh, the the sad, disappointed look on Kingston's face as he's walking up the uh, uh, entrance ramp. But is joined by Big E and Woods, uh, and the fans absolutely cheering Kofi on, showing their appreciation to him, and it seems like. All right, well, if WWE aren't going to go for it, fine. But I think he's well enough deserved to have at least a second match against Brian after that amazing, amazing performance. Yeah, they got the chemistry well. together. Yeah. I mean, I to be like, fair, I Daniel Bryan like, could probably yeah. find chemistry with anyone. I want to I but... say, say on the record, but, but, like, we'll get more in-depth into it, but I just have to say it right now that Daniel Bryan is the unsung hero of Kofi Mania. Absolutely, no, no, absolutely we, we is. will go in. We will. We will go into it. But yeah, I was oh gonna. Me- I was gonna mention him when we got to WrestleMania. The, the 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 essential moment of Kofi Mania. <laughs> um, so uh, this begins a big old 
uh, storyline between The New Day and Mr. McMahon. Now, if you remember rightly, uh, I think it was a six-man tag match um, on the SmackDown uh, between The New Day and I want to say... Oh, I can't remember who the opponents were. But this match, I remember... Um, Kingston was granted a WWE Championship match at Fastlane, which they the New Day won. I think it was Kingston who actually pinned... I think it might have been Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, and Randy... I want to say Randy Orton, but I can't be 100% sure on that. I, I, I apologise. It's... Uh, um, yeah, I can't remember that. I do remember at one point... No, I remember. the Fastlane. I remember. But there was, there was a... Yeah. It was the, the gauntlet match, I believe. That was the gauntlet match that was yeah. before the chamber. I remember now it wasn't the new day. Yeah. It was AJ, Jeff, and Kofi facing Brian, Orton, and Joe. Um, right. And I think it was Kingston pinned. I don't... I want to say it was Brian to get that... Um, or get that uh, fast lane uh, title match. But alas, Mr. McMahon, being Mr. McMahon, is a dick. And decided that oh no wait i already um i already replaced you prior your contract signing to the returning kevin owens yeah okay um i think a slight port of order but uh frankly only slight um when we talk about vince mcmahon with this we you sam was very specific good listener mr mcmahon yes that is <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a very, very complicated Pokedex. Okay. <laughs> Mr. McMahon. And so... his ass. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not no, doing that. No. That's another day. Okay, so, <laughs> listener, if you have been following us for the entirety of our run, thank you. But you will also recall us talking about the Montreal Screwjob. <laughs> so... After the Montreal Screwjob, Vince McMahon, in his evil, evil machinations, decided to work with it and basically create an in-ring character version of himself, commonly referred to as Mr. McMahon, who was essentially the biggest bad of the 1990s. Of the attitude, era. he was he was public enemy number one. Public enemy number one, the villain of <clears> arguably <throat> the greatest feud in all of WWE history, yeah. which yes. was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mr. McMahon, the ultimate countercultural lich wish fulfillment of literally being able to punch your boss in the face in front of millions of watchers and that's not hyperbole yeah oh. oh and say what you will and we have and we will about vince mcmahon he yeah. bled literally in that ring for it <laughs> yeah it's kind of a, a weird distinction to make but i guess the easiest way to make the distinction would be vince mcmahon vincent kennedy vincent k mcmahon or vincent kennedy mcmahon is the person Mr. McMahon is kind of the character. Yeah, but the... I mean, a lot of a lot of people in WWE said like the lines on that are very blurred. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The line between Vince and the character of Mr. McMahon blurs between the between what um what what match you're talking about, what 
wrestling you're talking about. In fact, sometimes what episode between like like episode yeah. to episode, frankly. Yeah. But in this case, it's safe to say this is Mr. McMahon going up against <laughs> Yeah. Kofi yes. Um, it's just are... like everything that he can do to possibly roadblock Kofi from getting the title shot. <laughs> Yeah, but here we're gonna get it. We'll talk about a bit more the weirdness of it, but I think we'll wait for that. Mm. So, uh, so at at Fastlane, Kingston was apparently added into the match by Mr. McMahon, but when he entered the ring, it was announced by McMahon that he would face the bar in a handicap match and was subsequently taken out of the title match. He lost that handicap match, and it was the SmackDown after, I believe. This was the one where uh, The New Day came out and then basically was just in probably one of the best promos The New Day has ever done. Absolutely rinsed Mr. McMahon. Uh, and I dare say a little part, even Vince himself, they rinsed for, oh, uh, yeah. not, for not seeing, of, after going through so many hoops not giving Kofi the chance that he rightfully has kind of earned. Um, not just in the previous few weeks, but in the previous 11 to 12 years he had been in that company. Um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think this is... I mean, to be fair, it probably is, but we should probably dedicate a separate episode to the, <laughs> the complicated history of WWE and... Uh, the concept of race. <laughs> oh yeah, because this is the one. Like I know, like you, like Sam, you said this is one of the best promos. I think it's that complication that I can't really say it mm. is. It's certainly a great promo, and like mm. the promo's gone completely through, especially by Kofi, is wonderful. Love them. Yes, but it's that muddying of the waters that yeah. I find a little. I've always found a little bit off. This kind of, we're not like this kind of. I'm not saying I'm doing it because you're black, but now normally, normally now that's kind of true to life in a lot of things. We all know that, but in the case of the WWE, given its history, I've always found it a little off and a bit and at worst distasteful. Absolutely, I it, think the it, one... it's, it's it's on a line. It's really on a line for me. If the one thing I can say I can take away from this promo is why I call it one of the best is that it was not just that that was mentioned. Of course, it was implied um, by all three of them. But I think it was the thing of Kofi. He he adamantly stated that he wasn't begging or he wasn't crawling on his knees and groveling about this. He says, I've worked for you for 11 years and did what you've asked and, and said. But the one thing now is if you're going to like screw me over... Just if you if you're gonna make me go up against seventeen different guys just to get it, do it, and I'll prove to you that I can do it. Um, and this came up with the gauntlet match uh, that he yeah. beat Sheamus, Cesaro, Eric Rowan, Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton in this gauntlet match. He would get his shot at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan. Kofi, of course, in that match goes on to defeat all five men. But McMahon, of course, being a grumpy old man that he is that likes to shout at people, shout at clouds, um, he inserts Brian into the match right at the last minute. It was lost, and that's it. Kofi isn't getting his match at Mania. Now, fast forward that to the next SmackDown. 
And we talk about, again, another great promo from Big E and Woods. Yeah. If they... Now, they were inserted into a gauntlet match. And if those two weren't able to defeat five other teams, Kofi wouldn't get his match. And this was the last chance saloon. Yeah, I think Kofi. this was the one. This was yeah. the one that I most specifically remember. Yeah, this um, is the one I most remember for a couple of reasons. That was a great match. Yes, that was absolutely. such a great match. Even like wrestling aside, because it's one of those great little. Um... The the funny thing about Kofi Mania is that up and up till WrestleMania, it essentially is a Rocky movie. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that you could hear the fan reception going up and up and up, and the emotion getting more and more, yeah. uh, up, like more and more palpable. Yeah. Um, Leading to probably one of my favorite of oh, many, like Kofi Mania has a lot of my many favorite moments in wrestling of the past decade but one of my personal favorites is so last what time we mentioned new day's biggest rivals the the vegeta to their goku the <laughs> usos yeah <laughs> so at, at up until this point woods and biggie are beaten to hell they've just managed to get to the usos through the skin of their teeth frankly and they're, they're not going to be able to, to put up a good fight. So the Usos are come, come down to, to, the, to the entrance. They're ready to go. Biggie and Woods are defiant that they're going to do it. And the Usos, seeing this, grab a mic and go, you know what? We have fought you guys to hell and back. But this time, we know that it would be wrong. So you know what? We forfeit. We forfeit. You guys move on to the next ones. Mm. And what a moment. That was... So good. That is an amazing moment for me. Uh, yeah. In this whole uh, in this whole moment, uh, in this whole little part of Kofi Mania. Just like, I think it was the, re the fan reception as well, the pop from that as well. Uh, there's not many pops you get in modern day WWE, but that was a really, really amazing pop just, that that moment got. It's just so well written. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah, fun. No, that's it's the, the thing. It's, we, we talk I think, I think there's something about it that it's just that moment of, like, you know, you said these two people, these two groups who have, like, constantly fought each other, and then they're there and they go, you know what? Go. <laughs> do what you want do what you need to do and um there's a there's a great background piece to this um i think it's from about a month ago on wb's youtube channel but they're talking to xavier woods um and he kind of said like, like the only thing he ever wanted to do like the big thing he wanted to do in wwe was help kofi to get that championship like that that was what his aim was for a solid year mm. and i think that just speaks to what they were trying to achieve yeah and it's really it speaks to one it speaks to just how close the new day are to each other mm. yeah because that's such an alien concept 
in, in, in WWE. Yeah. The, it... I, the, the, it's, when I heard that, I honestly, despite knowing everything I knew about the New Day despite, and um, Xavier specifically, but the idea of a, res, of a wrestler in WWE saying, no, 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 my goal is to make sure that my guy gets on the mountaintop. Yeah. And I will do whatever I, whatever possible, and whatever necessary to make that happen for him. It's such a great you know, thing. It, it, so, it's it's wow. like a thing that I believe I mentioned all the way back in episode zero um, <laughs> about why the Undertaker is so well regarded. Yeah, because like I believe the, I mean I'm heavily paraphrasing it because I can't remember exactly, but he said. Uh, there's two, there's two mountain tops. On one is the Undertaker, and he's putting his hand down to pull everyone else up. And on the other mountain top is someone else who's on top and is trying to kick everyone else off. Yeah. Like the fact that that's like a revered thing speaks to the culture of wrestling. Yeah. Mm. And that someone being there, Xavier being there, being like, no, my job is to help him get to the top. Mm. That's what I'm here to do. And that was his commitment for like a year. And it just... Yeah. It feels so incredible to know that. Yeah. I think it just it just makes that... It just makes this moment in time as well. Not only an amazing thing to see for Kofi in particular, but for Big E and Xavier as well yeah. Um, oh, yeah so after defeating rowan and brian in the final match kofi's got it he's now the number one contender for the wwe championship and he is on his way to wrestlemania to fight daniel bryan now in the lead up to mania i liked the promos between these two and oh yeah these yeah. i think the amazing that one thing i know a lot of people say is that daniel bryan the could never cut a promo but i feel like in the years he has been in wwe since 2010 i think he has proven with beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is an incredible promo guy on top of being the greatest wrestler to ever set foot in a ring <laughs> i this, this was this was when he was in his um the planet champion mode. Yeah. yes as, as my as one of my friends called it the mad vegan gimmick but, yes um, <laughs> I think the best yeah. thing about that one of these promos in particular was the throwback to the B plus player. Yeah. Um, mm. When I when when that moment happened, when Brian called Kofi a B plus player, I was like, oh, oh, it's come full circle. It's just, it's just so that promo in particular is so great because Brian actually makes some. He, he does um one of the best things of um a heel can do is the the it's not the fact that it, you're not wrong you're just an asshole <laughs> yeah. and and that had a lot of moments in it the, the 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 entire um crux of daniel bryan's argument was if you are so good if you are so worthy why did it take you 11 years to do it yeah and hell and why did you need other people to get you to do it as well yeah. It's Three just... words, Randall Kenneth Orton. <laughs> <laughs> but in all honesty, I think this for me was one of the most 
one of the best build-ups to a Mania match of last yeah. year. Yeah, um, I feel like the, the the whole thing of of Kofi getting into the Elimination Chamber all the way, like, way leading up to WrestleMania was so brilliantly built up, and it was it did feel very natural purely yeah. from that fan reaction. It just felt, yeah. It didn't have that. Um, it didn't have what Daniel. I think like at that point, WWE did learn its lesson because because yeah. if you remember with Daniel Bryan when he was in this position, it was literally the fans were fighting for Daniel Bryan yes. tooth and nail yes. to get this to work. But with this one, the thing that made it the thing that made it work was. WWE went, oh, oh shit, yeah, we should, yeah, we should do this. Kind of like <laughs> it had that feel to it. Uh, and the only and like I, you know, thinking about it, I can't believe I'm getting kind of nostalgic for what was a year ago. But I think the build up, give or take a couple of things, on Omni Flair, <laughs> <laughs> the build up to WrestleMania was honestly. One of the better ones that I can think of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was pretty great. Absolutely. It was pretty great. Like, across the board. Like, the fact that, like, the only reason this match wasn't on, like, wasn't the main event was because you had, like, the Becky Lynn's Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair was going to be the first women's proper main event. Mm. Which I always thought, like, was that revisionist history? Because I could have sworn that Trish Stratus and Lita had a main event at one point. No, I could have sworn. That's another pay per view. You know what? I think they said like the last time that women's wrestling came close to a main event was back in like the first WrestleMania. Yeah. Mm. All right. Tell you what. Right. In terms of WrestleMania matches, you'll be you will laugh at this. So the closest before that main event, the closest a women's Mm. match ever got to being in the main event was Tori Wilson versus Candice Michelle in a Playboy pillow fight at WrestleMania oh 22. God. Oh my God. So it wow. shows you how far we got at, yeah. that, at last year's WrestleMania. Yeah, but... I remember I remember there some being some kind of reference about a match between, it was either like WrestleMania 1-4 and mm. there was one that was pretty close, but my God, it really shows you how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> so but, freaking yeah. lovely. So, so, yeah, so to, uh, for having that, other than that, it would have been the main event. And that's very shocking. Because this happened in the course of a couple of months? couple of months, yeah. February uh, February up to April. Yeah, so... and it just felt so organic, so natural. And yeah. just felt like like the booking made sense. Absolutely, freaking loosely. I might, I might not, I might. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Booking making sense. Hold down there. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, like Mr. McMahon holding Kofi down and being the villain, coming back to it. Okay, it's awkward and it has a thing. But on a booking level, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> having having Daniel be an asshole when he's like he was at his player champion heel mode and going against Kofi when there's that kind of weird like <laughs> spider-man venom thing going on makes sense <laughs> uh and so and was, yeah and so all of that all of this leads to wrestlemania 35 in metlife stadium again for what seems like the 15th time they've been there in the past in the past year years mm. 
I should say. But regardless of that, what a match. Oh, it's I just... would be fine hard-pressed to say that if you could put this up, compare this to a really terrific Ring of Honor match that Brian had back in the day, it stands up with those matches. Hell, I would even say that this was probably Daniel's best WWE match to date. I'd agree with that. I would agree with oh, that. Oh, it's like so. It's so definitely up there. Oh, and man. like, I don't know where to begin of how much I love this match. <laughs> I think the thing I can say about this match, I'll, I'll let him speak. Um, <laughs> but the, the only thing I can really say about this match is that I mean, even recently in preparation for watching it, and even then rewatching it, knowing what the outcome was every single moment i felt tense mm. and that even though i knew what the result was every time i came to it and i just kept thinking like oh is 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 this it and then seeing like you know the, the clash the kind of clashes started because daniel bryan is a fantastic grappler you know you've seen his work with drew gulak it's incredible <laughs> if he wants to do chains he can do chains for months on end <laughs> And then seeing that clash against Kofi's kind of more explosive, fast-moving style. But, like, the chemistry that these two guys got and, like, the way that they worked the match was just so good. Like, there's so many bits to just how they... Like, the two of them moving around the ring, the transitioning from, you know, Brian wanting to get it to the ground and use all his kind of chain skills to Kofi wanting to keep the pace up. You know, there's the fantastic spot where Daniel Bryan is doing the stomps right in front of the New Day members. Yeah. There's so much to it that just takes it to a whole other level. Absolutely. This, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. I Like, this is one of those few matches that I, like, watched was crying. The first match that I ever cried to ever. I've teared up before, but no, I was actively sobbing. Tears of joy. And then I rewatched it thinking like, oh, okay, I've got that out of my system. Let me rewatch it. And then I watched it and then I continued to sob. <laughs> it's just, but there's so, there's so much good in it. It's, if you want to watch a good, like, actual wrestling psychology match, you get why why the wrestlers are doing the re doing the wrestling that they do. Mm. The emotional heights are on such a fever pitch. It's a and the great thing about it is that there's nothing you could take away from it that would make it better. Yeah. Like even having like like Rowan. Like you can't take away Rowan because you don't have that that little moment of him, of Kofi getting out the ring and Roman being right there and you're thinking, oh shit, is that one split second going to be the thing that knocks Kofi out? Because mm. that could easily be it. You definitely can't take away the New Day. You can't take away the, the New Day being on ringside. Because I remember seeing... It's one of those... It's one of those... I love managers and valets, but I often find that managers and valets doing their ringside don't really enhance a match too often. There are exceptions. Mm. Paul Heyman is just a walking exception. But 
But I'll, spare are... you the pro- I'll spare you the Paul Heyman voice. Yeah. <laughs> but there are like, but it's quite rare. I find this is the one where like there's a great moment where like Kofi's like Kofi's getting hammered by Brian and Biggie is just screaming, "Yo, Kofi, you gotta move! You gotta move!" And he just mm. knocks him, and it's and you can see like E's reaction on like shit, shit. This can't be how it goes. And it's so great. It's yeah. so great. You have Daniel Bryan putting on the heel performance of his fucking life. I can't believe. I will I say cannot... there's there's a fantastic spot where the camera cuts to Daniel Bryan when he's in the corner and he starts doing like the yes taunt. Yeah. He's preparing for the knee. And like I've seen sadistic smarts. <laughs> that is up there because like then he's there he's doing it and the crowd trying no back at him and like his smile is just getting bigger as it's going on and the great great thing about that crowd reaction is that it's like you can hear the crowd both (laughs) like both loving it and hating it to their core that was the smile of a man that's going yes it's working (laughs) yeah that's yeah because everyone's kind of like it's like like he just stomped on something sacred yeah and everyone's kind of like we know what we have to do but we are disgusted that we have to do it (laughs) and it just works so well Kofi like going doing like the moment and the moment that it changes where Kofi essentially does a hulking up moment. <laughs> yeah. Where where Brian is hitting him and he's just like, come on, hit me again. And the crowd is going nuts. And then he hits him and Brian is on the floor. And then Kofi just has this screaming of get up. Get and like, oh man, I'm getting like, I don't even need to, I didn't even, I didn't bother rewatching it. I didn't bother. I knew that match. Yeah. The back. Same. And then he hits him with trouble in paradise. One, two, three. And the look of utter elation. And, And this is where you need the new day because it's not, um, it's not Kofi. Celebrating with his family that I remember. It's not the um the great moment of of Biggie throwing the hemp belt in the trash yeah. and coming out with the yeah. with the OG belt and the, the and that belt has never looked so fucking beautiful. <laughs> I will say though, just very briefly, that it, even though like obviously it's built into the the gimmick, I did actually quite like the look of the hemp belt. <laughs> no, 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 I like but, it. But I mean, we want, we want, we want Kofi to get like the lever and gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he like just the revelation of them having that. But the but of all of that, it's of Xavier Woods, and I'm tearing up thinking about it now. It's been a year yeah. and change since of Xavier Woods on the mat, just weeping tears of joy, yeah. screaming how he we've made it to the mountaintop. Fucking hell, what a moment. That Oh, it absolutely just, yeah. is. Like, you want to talk about great WrestleMania moments, that will go down in the test of time as one of the absolute greatest. And for me, one of the most pivotal, because, believe it or not, that moment 
saw Kofi become the first African-born WWE champion in history. Yeah. Now, there was a lot of um, a bit of controversy with this, with that accolade being given to him due to the fact that The Rock exists. Mm. Um, I mean... I'll quickly say on it, I understand the trepidation as we get into this weird kind of colorism thing. Yeah. That is is an important thing. Absolutely. But I would... I I give it to... I understand the reasoning. However, I give it to Kofi in terms of WWE because The Rock in WWE has always talked more about his Samoan heritage. Well, I was going to say, though, because isn't the distinction here that he was the first champion born in Africa? Yeah, no, he absolutely has that. He absolutely has that. Yeah, okay, I I was just checking, because I thought that was, because I'm pretty sure The Rock was born in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but there was a kind of, but yeah, there was some pushback with him being called the first black champion, which isn't technically true Mm. because of The Rock, but then again, The Rock in traditionally goes for more of his Samoan heritage. Yeah, it's, okay. It, it I, got, what, I, got, I got a bit confused for a moment there because I thought the points had gotten weirdly joined up and I was like, I'm pretty sure The Rock was born in Hawaii and <laughs> <laughs> not part of Africa. No, no, no. no. When we're talking about the accolades of first WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, yeah. it gets weird and then you have King Booker and, it, you know, it gets weird. It gets very strange. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to know, like, you know, Booker, of course, being world heavyweight champion. Um, of course, he wasn't the first uh, black heavyweight champion and world heavyweight champion. If you want to take that into consideration of uh, the WCW as well, Ron Simmons was uh, yes. technically yeah. in America, one of the first mainstream black wrestling champions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's 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 a little weird how that goes and the controversy surrounding that. But regardless of all that, it's an amazing moment. And I think what came afterwards, uh, seeing the reception of 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 Shad and MVP, The Rock as well, just giving yeah. all oh, the yeah. kudos of just how pivotal this moment was. I mean, um, I have to say one of the mo- one of the great moments of that is during the match. It may have been during the match, or it may have been on the broadcast that they uploaded but it like cuts back to the backstage yes yeah yeah everyone is just like willing him on yeah and when we say about that moment of elation there's a fantastic moment in it where um it cuts to the backstage and it's our truth and he loses his shit (laughs) yeah yeah Byron Saxton as well. I know a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people do like to joke about Byron Saxton, but he did. He he did make oh, yeah. an amazing call. Um, yeah, yeah, he was great in it. Another another thing that another thing that you can't get rid of. Byron Saxton was on the commentary of that match, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, it was so good. Like um, the thing I actually think about was actually um, everyone basically breaking kayfabe with after the gauntlet match. Yeah. yeah. But you have people like, I think Kevin Owens, who was at that point heel, but he was there. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny as hell to me. Seeing like, <laughs> yo, ain't you heel? <laughs> you, ain't you evil right now? But no, everyone was everyone was cheering him on. Yeah. They were like, nah, screw it. We're going to do it. And it was great. Mm. I remember when this happened and me and Sam were talking about it. We had this moment of, okay... They have a few, not not problems, 
not even issues, but a few things to consider going forward to make this work. <laughs> interesting, interesting how it happened, isn't it? <laughs> because now it's you've you've crowned him champion. Great. Now you've got to make sure that you show that he's champion. Yeah. Indeed, and we will get into that. But before that, interesting fact. This also made Kofi WWE's 30th Triple Crown and 20th Grand Slam champion. A fascinating accolade. <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting that he managed to get the 30th and 20th position in both of those. I'm still mad there's that Crowder didn't get the Grand Slam. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but here's hoping here's this hoping is, Matt Cardona becomes uh, AEW champion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't his moment though, but it is still kind of crazy that he got both the 30th and the 20th spot. Yeah. That's, a, that's a funny bit of trivia there. So, this begins uh quite a sizable run for your first WWE Championship unless your name's Hulk Hogan or John Cena, but I digress. Um, but he, after uh, successfully defending it against Brian um, and Kevin Owens, he started that amazing feud that he had with the returning Dolph Ziggler, which of course coined the term it should have been me. Yep, yep. Uh, they had two matches uh, two pay-per-view matches, one at Super Showdown. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, oh, God. I think the position of this podcast, at least for me, is that we don't talk about Super Showdown or any of those unless we absolutely have to. I mean, we talk about the one in Australia. We don't talk about the subsequent two, the other ones. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a shame that they don't... All right, side note, it's a shame that they don't do those in Australia. Or they don't do it at the Melbourne Cricket Ground because I honestly thought it was an amazing venue to host a pay-per-view like that. And I think yeah. the reception of Buddy Murphy winning the Cruiserweight Championship was amazing. But I digress, mm. moving straight on uh, from that. Then they had a, another match, a steel cage match, actually, at Stomping Grounds, which was a really good match. I think... I think we've already talked about it before in the Ziggler episode, but I think these two can't have a bad match against each other. They work no. so bloody well together. And this, uh, a few years down the line from their rivalry for the US Championship, I think was proof that maybe at that time, those guys should have been in the main event going for the world title. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, mm. the, it's just though the two of them have such a great pairing of styles. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we we've spoken before about the ability of Dolph Ziggler. You know, he can sell pretty much anything. Like um, a gunshot. <laughs> he's got great match stamina. He's got great ring presence, great ring awareness. Mm. He can really you stick him with a worker like Kofi, and you're asking for magic to happen, really. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. So after Ziggler. He had a match at Extreme Rules against Samoa Joe. Again, I really like. I remember really liking the the build to Samoa Joe. Yeah, yeah. Because again, the great thing about Samoa Joe is that, like, 
he you could you could see him like getting the script and just I'm going to add the closest thing to a swear I can here. <laughs> you know what's amazing is that I think Kofi was in a very very enviable enviable position for a lot of wrestlers in that he took he had a rivalry with two Ring of Honor icons in Brian yeah. and Joe. Um, I would yeah. if I was a wrestler. I would have my dream opponents if I was world champion would be those two. Throw in AJ in the mix or Punk as well, and I'd say right, you you you're you're well on your way to becoming a legend of a yeah. champion for sure. Um, it was also at this event that Big E and Woods became SmackDown Tag Champions for a record fourth time. Yeah. So these guys were holding oh, all the guys. Yeah. This is yeah the time where the New Day were the people to beat they had all the damn gold oh they, it was I what realized that moment. what yeah. a glorious moment in wrestling to have all three of those as champions yeah. that, that was an interesting thing like that was one of the questions like okay now that kofi's got it what about the new day and wwe's answer is like oh oh we're, we're fucking like we're booking them to the stars man like <laughs> it's rocket time boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, what was amazing as well is they counted uh i mean this technically made kofi a double champion since they were still defending them under the free bird rule. that's right yep i never even considered that damn i know right this is i didn't consider that i didn't consider that yeah technically under the free bird rule that would make him a double champ yep and me and if you're counting the um, up up down down triple champ yes exactly <laughs> exactly because he won My the up up God. down down championship the day before mania <laughs> oh man see look this is how King how amazing kingston was at this time yeah. so at the one-off pay-per-view called smackville do you remember smackville that took place oh, in nashville God. i oh, think God. i've blocked out my memory because i have no recollection of that oh <laughs> i remember that <laughs> he did have a good triple threat against ziggler and joe in that match though um uh but being said of course of the awful name for a pay-per-view uh, it did end up being a very good triple threat. Moving then subsequently on to his uh, little rivalry with Randy Orton in the lead up to SummerSlam. Mm. Yeah, I think one though. I I thinking about it because we uh, you were talking about like his run. Because again, we will have a we'll have an overview on what we think about his run. I think um, maybe. The problem was that he actually opened a bit too high. He, mm. Like, his um, rivalry with Brian was just so good, so monumental, that maybe he never could keep it up. But I remember mm. the problem being, like, it wasn't, it wasn't even the booking. Because, like, like, you know, Daniel Bryan again makes sense. Yes. Samoa Joe makes sense. Ziggler makes sense. Orton, God makes sense. Mm. But I don't know what it was in that the actual build-up could never quite, quite get into that second gear. Yeah. It was a real problem and very frustrating because I remember watching these matches and saying, no, these are good matches. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. I think it was in a weird flux period at this time because, of course, with Bischoff leaving the year prior and Bruce Pritchard taking over and this subsequent, I think, this thing of the back 
kind of building up to the subsequent um, airing on Fox, it just mm. seemed like they, they were more focused on getting that sorted than actually kind of, you know, working on the product and what happens inside the ring uh, mm. more, um, which is a shame because I feel like the SummerSlam match uh, was a bit of a damp squib because it ended in a double count out. Yeah. However, I will say I, I, it's like, God, I don't like the double count out, but I like the reasoning and I like the, the little aftermath afterwards. I yeah. do. True, true, true. Uh, but at least they had a good rematch at uh, Clash of Champions, though. Um, I think that match was that that match was actually really good. Um, and I think as well. I, th I think all, all 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 differences aside and opinions of Orton, he did he did make uh, Kingston look really good. Oh, I think yeah. they both they both oh yeah they both worked extremely well together. Um, in this one, uh, for for sure, and so, oh, we get to September and October, so a couple of more weeks now. Uh, I think a lot of this, I think, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into it, was uh, a lot of it was on on this subsequent move to Fox. Oh, um, yeah. Sure and that was a, a I don't know about you, that felt like a dark cloud hanging over SmackDown uh, for, the, for, for September, in September and October. Um, because around mid-September time, Brock Lesnar comes out, confronts Kingston... And immediately challenges him to a championship match in the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox. You know, no, no ifs, no buts. He's back. He doesn't have to have a match to determine number one contender. He's slap bang straight in the, the middle rules of the do not team. apply to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. This is this is Brock Lesnar. Uh, and so we get to the 20th anniversary show of SmackDown and the debut of Fox on October 4th. Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. It's one of the very rare occasions that the WWE Championship is defended in a SmackDown on a SmackDown. Um, and funnily enough, one of the greatest SmackDowns that had a WWE Championship match was the Iron Man match between Lesnar and Angle in 2003. So you would have naturally yep. thought, you know, Brock back on SmackDown, you know going for the championship, it would at least, at the at the very least, be a quite a, a, a good match. You would probably think something like a, a, a Brian versus Lesnar or a Styles versus Lesnar, you know, because his modern style doesn't kind of mesh well with the style he the, had yeah. in 2003. Yeah. One great little, I would give it this, one great little um, thing that they have done as an Achilles heel is to, like the WWE, I will admit, have given... They've specified something about Lesnar in that to have a even a smidge of a chance against the Beast Incarnate, you have to be quick. <laughs> this must be absolutely very true. You you have to basically like you have to like you have to do it like Spider Man. You you dodge <laughs> and weave. You have to dodge and weave him. But this all falls apart. That game plan all falls apart when in. The start of the bell, Kofi runs at Lesnar, he grabs him, throws him for an F5, and within six seconds becomes WWE champion. 
ending the 180-day reign of Kofi Kingston. Now, we have thoughts. We do have feelings. We have a lot of very strong thoughts and feelings. And we are going to... I will let you guys go first. And I'm going to start. And I thought this was the most dunderheaded decision that I felt was a very network-pleasing decision on part of Vince. Uh, I don't say Mr. I say Vince uh, on this one. Um, What way? What an absolute way to show that you don't have much faith in your champion than to hand it over to Brock. Now, I can understand. You want the mainstream appeal. You want a guy that will cater to absolutely every person. Casual, hardcore, the people in between, or just people that never even acknowledged professional wrestling. What better way to do that with a guy who's a former UFC heavyweight champion? Sure, I can get that. But this brings to the argument of how the hell are you supposed to make stars if you keep if you keep having them not have that opportunity? This was the main stickling point as to why Punk left. And like it never I, I, I thought you're right. If you're gonna do it, go on to Fox. If you if you make Kofi champion, give him a chance. A chance. You can give him two weeks. You can give him two months. Just give him a chance. But to have him thrown away, squashed like that, just felt like they had no faith in him. Absolutely zero faith in him. And I'll, I'll admit, it upset me. It upset me as a WWE fan. It upset me as a fan of Kofi Kingston. I can imagine Brian was upset by this. Like, it's thinking that... Thinking like I, I mean, man, we put on amazing matches, and I, and I proved that Kofi, and Kofi proved that he could be amazing. But to have him go like that, must have sucked to have seen. That's my opinion. Um, Dan, your opinion. I'm gonna make a quick I'm note saying... of what you said. Something you said, Sam. I'm actually gonna make a quick note. <laughs> but please continue. Please continue. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying this as I'm staring dramatically out of my window. Um, but the only thing I can say is it just screams corporate. I was going to say shill, but that's not even really <laughs> the right way to put it. It's just, it screams corporate. And it seems weird that, uh, I mean, even still, even from my perspective, selling a corporate decision surely Kofi is one of the most marketable people you have <laughs> that that was my note <laughs> um, but like the whole thing of it this is heavily tied to the network shift um and you know that's kind of been the sentiment from a lot of people in in the in the company but it just makes me i mean in a way it makes me very sad to see a man realize his dream and then have it ruined by a guy who appears every couple months. <laughs> um, and it's just like, hey, here's Brock Lesnar, Mr. Big Bad McClodge Huge coming again. Oh, it's a 10 <laughs> second match and he's lost and he's pinned and everything's gone out the window. Um, and it annoys me that they felt like the future was in a returning Brock Lesnar rather than any of the other talent that they have and anyone else that they have access to. Um, and, you know, like, 
Brock Lesnar's got legitimacy. He has. And he's got a lot of appeal to a lot of wrestling fans. I also don't agree with the... I also have some level of sentiment to the belief that they wanted to immediately build up the whole Lesnar, Kane, Velazquez thing. Mm. Um, and that this was that. apparently a, this was supposedly a vehicle for doing it. And I mean, my opinions on that are like, why? <laughs> I don't care. I have no investment in this. It shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be interfering in any way. But like, I think the biggest thing that I feel of it is uh it was a sentiment i heard about wcw a lot which is like you said wcw got a lot of stick for not developing new stars mm. and that that was the reason it went under i can't help but feel what has wwe <laughs> done to make new stars mm. like with the spate of negative moves of people going from NXT to main roster and just getting shot down the fucking drain <laughs> of Drew McIntyre having to leave and come back completely rebranded, which he got no assistance from the WWE in. Mm. He got that on his own on the independent circuit from people like Kofi, who people have been saying have got the talent, the ability the all the skills you need to be a champion and hold a main event and for them to think all right but brock lesnar <laughs> mm. it just kind of it, it disappoints me not least the way the match went because i i i hate squash matches involving champions. Mm. Mm. I don't think there's much place for them. Like, okay, you can sell it as Brock Lesnar is huge and Kofi Kingston is comparatively small. But you sold this guy as a champion. You've seen him beat Samoa Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. and like, if you want to talk about, and like, for example, he's beaten Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan, two of the strongest catch slash grapple wrestlers in pro right now, and some of the most well regarded. Mm. And he's been been able to hold off that. But all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar comes along, and it's like, ah, yes, he needs to lose in ten seconds flat on an episode of SmackDown. <laughs> you know, it just <sighs> it feels so misplaced. It feels so out of touch. Mm. It feels like they, no, their thing was like, ah, oh, you know, I want to believe it was a heat decision. I want to believe it was like, we'll get Brock Lesnar in, Monster Heel, we'll do the 19 billionth iteration of that in WWE. Ugh. And you'd be like, he gets the title, beats the the fan favorite babyface, and you know, lots of people will be saying, like, oh, but the fans are starting to not feel the same about Kofi Kingston as champion. Well, it doesn't even fucking matter. But, like, it just, it feels so dumb, and it just feels so corporate. Yeah. Because, like, the thing was, suppose Fox were like, we want Lesnar as champion on SmackDown, and if not, we won't be invested. <sighs> and that 
hurts to know. Uh, I think it's best I just give Reardon his platform. Strap in, boys. It's going to be a long ride. Okay. So, I had to write down three things. Because you guys made little things that I was like, oh, yeah. The Cain Vasquez, I'll get to because I'd actually forgotten. I'd actually completely forgotten about that point. And the moment you mentioned it, I suddenly got even angrier than I thought I would. Um, that thing about the about like the people loving Lesnar, do they? Mm. That's my legitimate question. Do they really? Really? There are there are some people I know, and there are people like, in the IWC who really wanted to see Lesnar back. Like like listen. I love Brock Lesnar. I would consider myself one of those people. But like, if you're talking about like mainstream audience, really, Brock Lesnar? There are. You... There, I will tell you that there are. People seriously, there. <laughs> seriously, there are genuinely people there. That is utterly amazing to me, and like, okay, but to me, it kind of seems to me from the from just my vantage point like when was the last time that Brock Lesnar was actually in UFC 2010 if you oh, don't I've count no two, idea. if you don't count UFC 200 of which of course that match became null and void after Lesnar tested positive for <laughs> bad substances so, so I'm like and from what I know about the UFC this is me showing my ignorance here please correct me <laughs> but from what I know about the UFC is that be just due to the the sheer like, um, the sheer like life cycle of it, hmm. that you don't stay on top for long and you don't stay a peak for very long in the UFC. No, if if history's you know, unless you're Anderson yeah. Silva, if history's yeah. taught you anything, uh, you you have very very short reigns. Yeah, very yeah. very short self shelf life being a UFC fighter. So do people really? Would do people really honestly care about Brock Lesnar in 2019 mm. as a UFC fighter? That's my question. That you that people will actually switch over to watch SmackDown as him as just that's my big question. I know that probably maybe that doesn't have an answer, but that's would be my big main question mm. for that. Okay. Let's put that, let's say that that is true. Let's say that, no, people people will go in droves to watch SmackDown, to watch Brock Lesnar. Okay, if that is true, then one, isn't it better that you build up a match with Kofi Kingston? Mm. <laughs> and two, if you must have him win, you have him win on the very first episode in six seconds when you've had him go on for how long was it again? 100 and... 180, 180 days. 180 days. 180 days. Unacceptable. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what you say. That's unacceptable. That is horrendous booking. That is horrendous to what to all that he has done. That is un it's just unacceptable. It makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense to do that. To build him up as like that and to have him squashed like that in six seconds to Lesnar. It is unbelievably stupid. 
and disgusting. I remember they, I remember, I remember when Sam told me about this because I didn't watch I didn't watch it. But I remember when Sam sent me the Discord message and he sent it to me like, like he was telling me like my dog just fucking died while I was away <laughs> on holiday. I didn't believe it. I honestly didn't believe yeah. it until I looked. And even then, I didn't believe that, like, no, that's the match. That's the fucking match. That's the match. It wasn't even like a 20-minute barnstormer. Wasn't anything like that. He didn't even go out like defiant. He just took the took the match. That was it. Unacceptable. Unfucking acceptable. And then to have Kane Vasquez come out was the cherry on top for me. That was when I thought like I felt like WWE was making it personal for me. Yeah, that was the big that was a big tilt moment. That was when I was realized. That was when I honestly, honestly felt like WWE was looking me dead in the eye and said, fuck you. Yeah. You're going to do that, and then you're going to have this guy who has never in his life wrestled before come out and be the top contender. When there are people... We talk about this a lot, that there are people in the WWE who are so talented the most talented roster in their history. I would say that hands down. In terms of like athletics, in terms of knowing how to wrestle, the most talented. Mm. And you have this guy basically off the fucking street come out and do that. Oh my God, I'm still... It was a very... It was a clearing moment for me i must say yeah it was a clearing moment did your that... third eye open up yeah my like i fucking saw nirvana and nirvana was this is how it's gonna be <laughs> for i saw the face of god and it terrified me <laughs> yeah it was a it was a if you want to if you want to imagine the future Imagine a boot on the neck of the human race forever moment for me. Mm. Just, this is what it's going to be, no matter what. And and the, thing, and the worst thing about it for me was that it, it really clear, clarified, crystallized for me that any moment of bliss, any, any moment of something beautiful coming out is going to be temporary. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be temporary and fucking fleeting. And I think that kind of colored it's color it honestly has colored a lot for me mm. with how I watch WWE now is that moment. I think even the, that moment I'm sorry, I'm keep going. Oh no, the, you, go you go on. You go on. The moment with like cuz we see it again. We see it with the fiend. Oh, uh... at the beginning. Yep. Which we will get to, listeners. Yeah, we'll have an episode on that because I, again, though, my tilt across to the treatment of The Fiend is heavily weighed on my shoulders as a wrestling fan. Yeah. It's the, it, like, if that's The Fiend is for you, Kofi, the end of Kofi Mania is that for me. It's that we will take what you want and we will crush it. <laughs> we will fucking crush it. Yeah. And we won't. And it won't. If Kofi had just gone out 
Because it's like he's a champion. Inevitably, he's going to lose. I don't mind him losing after 180 days. But to do it like that, it shows a severe dereliction of duty. It shows a severe lack of ideas and imagination. And no matter how much I might love wrestling, no matter how much I might love WWE, it was that moment that really crystallized, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And it's it's unacceptable for me. I can't do it. Mm. I can't do it. I have too much on my... I have too many things to do. <laughs> too, I have too much... Like, I have one life. And <laughs> if this is how I'm going to spend it, watching WWE, I can't do it. I'll do something else. Yeah. It was that it was that moment for me. It was that moment yeah. of like I I have to take a moment. And that was a time where I'm like, I'm going into a hibernation because I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. No. No. It... And how was Kay Vasquez, by the way? How was he? Um he only had one match at Crown Jewel for the championship and subsequently never seen and was then one part of the uh the most recent uh spout of releases. Yeah. Um, that didn't end very well for Kane at all. I think the worst part as well, as we can all agree about this, is that for some reason Kofi never got a rematch subsequently. Yeah! Rematch. Uh, yeah. What the fuck didn't he have a rematch? Uh, that oh, that oh, blows oh my, my mind. I'm just wondering, does this not echo what happened to Booker T? Yes. Yeah! I think that's what it was. <laughs> I think that's it. Oh my god, yeah. I'm just wondering, because if I remember distinctly, he didn't get a rematch until like way afterwards. <laughs> I think this is like, yeah, honestly, and like, we know how we are with. Um, We've entered the Twilight the Zone of wrestling. Yeah. You know how I am. You, know, you, guys, you guys know what I'm like when it comes to book T. Yes. I honestly, I honest to God, think this hurts more. I honestly yeah. think it does. Because, oh, no, I can, I can readily believe that. Yes. Because it's like, like having it squashed is one thing, having it actually happen and then it's squashed. In six seconds, for a pile of fucking nothing, you gave nothing for that sweet, sweet network money, baby. And, and the ratings went down anyway. <laughs> so who was it? Who was it helping? No one. <laughs> I feel like um, you know that bit. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to um. Spoilers for a Game of Thrones season six. I've skipped for a couple of minutes for trip a, a, sec, a few seconds. But if you guys, do you know that bit with um with Davos Seaworth basically calling out Melisandre for like burning like Shireen and all that? Yes. I don't, but I'm gonna yeah. pretend like I yeah. do for the purpose of this analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a moment like, but it's like someone like he truly loves gets burned. It, it, it doesn't matter. And like, Sam, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's this moment where she tries to explain like, oh, I did it for this, 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 and like to win. And he's like, to win what? They didn't fucking win. <laughs> That's the worst part about it. Is that it didn't fucking help anything. Nothing. It didn't hurt. It didn't help Lesnar. It didn't hurt. It didn't help fucking Kofi. It didn't help Kane. It helped fucking nothing. Help the network executives. Help fucking nothing with them because they didn't fucking get any good ratings from it. And, and thus, that show, and that show is shit. Yeah. God damn it. Let us not forget in that 
20th anniversary show, we saw that, but we also saw the debut of Tyson Fury and Marshmallow becoming 24-7 champion. Yeah, if you wanted to talk oh, about yeah. corporate if you wanted to talk about a corporate smackdown, you had that in spades <laughs> of that 20th anniversary show. I won't lie, I know we're sidetracking here, but in a very weird way. Um, after the whole crown jewel shit, in a weird way, I'd actually kind of love to see what would have what, what would happen if Tyson Fury was in WWE. In a weird way, I think it would be awful. But to be fair, I reckon you could cut a promo. You could cut a promo. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man. And also, would... he listens to basically fucking no one. So he's trying to see creative exercise control on him, telling him he's meant to job. Nah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I almost like. After that rant, I'm sorry. I almost like no. it's a good thing I didn't because um I would have peaked horribly. But I almost did like a fucking primal scream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, gl- I'm glad I brought you down slightly, slightly, Reed. <laughs> yeah. So that concludes the time of Kofi Mania. So what happened to Kofi after this? Well, we've established in this in the previous episode in my case that he never got a rematch for the wwe championship but he did however return to tag team matches where he competed of course with biggie and woods to defeat the oc the following week on smackdown um they had a tag team turmoil match at crown jewel but failed to win that um kingston and biggie in november beat the revival to become smackdown tag champions uh, and the fifth reign for the New Day. Uh, TLC defended the titles against the Revival. Um, 2020 saw the subsequent rematch between Lesnar and Kingston when he entered at number nine, um, but was then subsequently eliminated by Lesnar. <sighs> Super Showdown saw Big E and Kingston lose those championships to Morrison and The Miz. Uh, and then we come to WrestleMania 36, where Kingston put on an absolute amazing show with uh, Jimmy Uso and John Morrison for the Tag Team Championships in that ladder match that me and Reardon, I remember talking about the day after, and was absolutely enthralled with that match. The, the, that match was actually, was my favourite of WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah, of, one if not my absolute favourite. Which shows you just what a talent... They have. Kofi Mania was. I mean, like, can I just say, in context of that match, Kofi and John Morrison are a ladder match. Yes. Hell yeah. They died for our sins in that match. (laughs) It was fantastic. Loved it to pieces. And so, yeah, even though he did not win that match, uh, they are now, as of today, as of this recording, uh, him and Big E are SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, of course, Xavier's out on an injury, and thus I hope he makes a speedy recovery. But thus concludes this episode and of Kofi Mania. I won't say thoughts and feelings, because uh, I think we genuinely have gotten I think we all got of our all food. Out there. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think I, my feelings are pretty clear. Pretty Hopefully it's clear. been like a nice, quite cathartic um, no. therapy session. <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I figured that would be your response. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It hasn't. I'm literally gonna. I'm gonna leave. Nothing will gonna... exercise the sins of Vince. This no. is a. This I honestly think. That if you wanna, you want a, uh, a note for me to end up on. It's this. I don't think I'll ever forgive him. I, I say That's that. Fair. I say. I say that honestly. 
I know it might sound, this might sound so ridiculous. We talk about wrestling. It doesn't really matter. But you know what? I don't care how ridiculous I sound. I'll never forgive him. I'll never forgive him. I'm sorry. And, yeah. And, I'd, and I think that is a sentiment shared by a heck of a lot of people. A heck of a lot of people. Myself included, I'd say. And so yep, ends myself. So ends the longest episode we've had of the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. And, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? No, no problem. Because as I said, we had a lot to unpack in this episode. There was a lot to a unpack. Lot. So before I go, before we head off, we've got to reveal our next episode. And boy, we have a bit of a doozy for this one. Okay, so for the next episode. If you thought this one was long, just wait and see. For we are going to be talking about the rise and fall of TNA wrestling. Oh no. <laughs> I'm not ready. From from total non-stop action to impact. This is going to be if you thought this was a therapy session, oh this one's gonna be a therapy session for for, for every every single fan of the X Division. But until then, I've been Sam, this has been Reardon and Dan, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwad podcast. We will see you all on the next episode. Tatty bye everyone. Goodbye. I'm gonna die next week. <laughs>